Thank you, Pastor, for the uh, <clears throat> invitation to come. I appreciate that very much. Um, <clears throat> this is my first time over the border in 12 months. And uh, I've been on the road in New South Wales for quite a few months now, but uh, ventured across the border. Even yesterday, driving up uh, from um, you know, Tweed Heads area up over the border, I was wondering, was I going to get arrested or stopped or, you know... Um, temperature taken or something, but no, we just drove straight across, so that was good, and uh, always good to be here. You know, last month, and I might give a little testimony tonight before I preach, maybe just a few minutes if that's all right, I won't take the time this morning, but last month was 30 years for us in full-time ministry. Um, <clears throat> now, I started preaching 40 years ago, um, when I was three, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, I started preaching uh, 40 years ago, but 30 years last month in, in full-time ministry. And we thank the Lord for his, uh, just for his goodness in keeping us going that long. Uh, and uh, all glory to the Lord for that. Um, <clears throat> I was um, <clears throat> wondering what the sound was in the church this morning as we started things when the little timer went down and all this sound. It was singing. Um, now, in Coffs Harbour at our church, we've, I think we've sung two weeks in the last... 12 months. Now, we're still not allowed to sing down there. Don't ask me why. Of course, if you go to the cricket or the footy, you can yell and spit and shout, uh, but you can't sing in church. So I'm not quite sure where that reasoning comes from. Uh, but anyway, it is what it is. Now, we still have singing. We just have someone uh, stand up and sing or a group will sing quite a few songs. Um, but um, hopefully we'll be able to sing. I, just, I, I now understand what the sound is. Thank you, ladies, for that wonderful song. I love that song. I stand redeemed. Uh, it's awesome. And uh, uh, was it Jonathan was giving a, um, a little blurb on J. Wilbur Chapman, um, <clears throat> Jesus, the friend of sinners. Now, who knows? J. Wilbur Chapman was a famous evangelist. He had a famous apprentice. Does anyone know who his famous apprentice was? He trained an evangelist. That evangelist was named Billy Sunday. Uh, who became even more famous than J. Wilbur Chapman. Uh, so that's a little bit of uh, trivia for you. Thank you, Pastor. Let's uh, take our Bibles, please. Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10. And we'll use this passage as a springboard for this morning, for our few minutes together. And before we preach, let's uh, pray. We thank you, Father, for the beautiful day, for the drop of rain. We give you thanks. And Lord, thank you for the wonderful singing this morning. Father, uh, my heart has been uplifted uh, in a wonderful way. And uh, dear Lord, thank you uh, for the redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. And dear Lord, we uh, <clears throat> ask now that as we look at your word, that you will uh, empower the preacher through the ministry of the Spirit of God uh, via the Word of God to our hearts. And Lord, please meet those who are needy this morning uh, in a special way. We'll be careful to give you the thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Despite man's ridiculous attempts to, and here's a word for you, expunge the name of Christ, wipe out the name of Christ from the history books, it is the year 2021. Now, <clears throat> for a number of years now, there's been a, uh, a push to, uh, to, to get rid of 
the, um, the terms BC and AD, before Christ, and AD in the year of our Lord, and to replace them with uh, BCE, before the common era, or CE, the common era. Uh, you know, you can, yeah, so as not to offend non-Christians, that's the reasoning. Uh, you can change the recording of history, but you can't change history. You can't change it. Um, so you can put, um, you can put uh, uh, 2021 CE, common era, instead of 2021 AD in the year of our Lord. You can do that. It still doesn't change the fact that we are standing here approximately 2021 years after Christ. You can put a Ford badge on a Holden, but it doesn't make it a Holden, okay? And you wish you could make it a Holden. <laughs> so it is 2021, approximately that many years after the incarnation of Jesus Christ or God becoming a man. And this morning I want to give you a thought. If, if Jesus Christ is the most important, influential, divisive, inspiring, worshipped, loved and hated individual in world history, then don't you think it's important that you consider him? Don't you think it's important that we consider him? So this morning I want us very, very briefly to consider Jesus. And the first way we do that is we have to meet him. We have to meet him. Come back to our passage here in Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, as we read our passage this morning, thank you, brother, for reading that, um, <clears throat> we learned some things about this character, Zacchaeus. Firstly, we read that he was superior. He was chief among the publicans. Now, the publican was not someone who owned a pub. In Bible times, the publican was a tax collector. And uh, no one likes tax collectors <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. No one likes to... And if you work for the ATO, I'm not having a go at you, but most probably no one likes you, okay? <laughs> it's like no one likes... You. I hate my dentist. I hate him. He's a great fellow, a good dentist, but he just... He charges like a, a, a tax collector. <laughs> but he was superior. He was a chief among the tax collectors. And then we know that not only was he superior, he was short. He was vertically challenged. <laughs> uh, we could call him a midget or a jockey. We don't know how tall he was, but he was, he was a little short fellow. Uh, we know that he was sinful. He was a crook. Everyone knew that he was a crook because most tax collectors in those days were crooks. They took what they needed to take for the Roman Empire and they also pocketed some for themselves. They had immense power and they weren't liked at all. He was superior, he was short, he was sinful. But we also know that he was seeking or he was a seeker. And the Bible says he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was, that's Jesus, was to pass that way. How did this man seek Jesus? If you want to meet Jesus, you have to seek him. First of all, he sought Jesus by becoming childlike. Now think of this. Here's this fella, this well-known crooked businessman, 
Everyone would have known who who he was. No one liked this man. And he's up climbing in a tree. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't climb trees anymore. I used to climb trees. But I don't climb trees anymore because I don't want to kill myself or or, or get stuck up there. (laughs) But kids climb trees. I did when I was a kid. We used to climb, when we lived down at Karua, we used to climb up the top of the, uh, I think they were sort of like a, were they a oak or I forget what sort of tree it was. Anyway, um, <clears throat> some sort of pine tree. But we used to go like 50, 60, 70 metres up. I mean, we were way up there. They were really easy to climb. I never told mum what we were doing, of course, because it's a, it's a childlike thing to climb a tree. But here's this fella up a tree. That's childlike. You know, Jesus said, if you, <clears throat> if you want to come to the Lord, you have to be childlike. Not childish, but you must become like a little child. So Zacchaeus sought Jesus by becoming childlike. And then he sought Jesus by going out on a limb. Here he was. Out on a limb. Well, I imagine he was. I don't think he was gripping to the, you know, the, the main part of the tree. And you know, to get to to seek Jesus, you have to go out on a limb. In in other words, you have to get out there by yourself. Get out on a limb. You see, it's not popular to seek Jesus. It's not popular to be a Christian these days. And it's becoming less and less popular. So if you're going to seek Jesus this morning, you need to go out on a limb. And then... He sought Jesus by disregarding his wealth. In the previous chapter, I'll just read to you from chapter 18. This is the story of the rich young ruler. When Jesus saw that he, that's the ruler, was sorrowful, uh, very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, who then can be saved? And he, Jesus, said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. So this uh, rich young ruler, he couldn't deal with his riches because Jesus said, you need to give that to the poor and come and follow me. But Zacchaeus dealt with his riches. And we know he did that because later in the the little passage we read, he said, look, I'm going to give half of my goods to the poor and if I've defrauded anyone, and he most probably had a huge great list of people that he defrauded, I'm going to give them back four times what I took from them. That's faith in action. And that's another sermon. Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus sought Jesus. But do you know the amazing thing is, Even before, Jesus, uh, before Zacchaeus started to seek Jesus, Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. And that is the amazing thing. You know, here's the prodigal coming home and the prodigal said, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned before heaven and before you. Make me as one of your hired servants. I'm going to go back and seek my father. But before he even got to that decision, his father was waiting for him. And Zacchaeus, sometime before this, he obviously thought, hey, I need to seek this Jesus Christ man. I've seen what he's done. I've heard what he's done. And so I understand he's coming by and I've got to seek him. But before he ever got to that decision, Jesus was coming to seek Zacchaeus. You see, God outseeks us. God outloves us. God outgives us. God outblesses us. 
That's the nature of God. Jesus is still seeking sinners. We know that from verse 10, from the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came, to seek lost sinners. And thankfully, that's where we all qualify. We are all lost sinners. Well, if you're saved today, you're a saved sinner. But we are all sinners. The Bible says, Romans 3 verse 10, For there is none righteous, no, not one. Isaiah 64 verse 6, All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we are all as an unclean thing. In other words, even the very, very best that we can do is like a filthy rag in the sight of God. Jesus said, I'm come to seek and to save sinners. And Jesus is still seeking sinners. Now that brings me to my next point. This is it. We must seek God while the opportunity remains. We must seek God while the opportunity remains. Now if you keep a bookmark there in... uh, Luke chapter 19, over to uh, Acts 17. Acts 17, if you're quick on the draw. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's standing on Mars Hill in a city called Athens. Acts 17 and verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Now, here's Paul, Mars Hill, and uh, the Greeks there, they uh, went and they did what they did, most of the men, because the women did all the work, and the men were up there on Mars Hill discussing this, discussing that, and worshipping this God. If a fly was crawling up the wall, they worshipped the fly. If a lizard walked, they worshipped the lizard. But there was also this part here to the unknown God, because just in case they missed out on a God, he could sit in there. We'll just have this unknown God here, just in case we we offend one of the gods somewhere. An altar to the unknown God. And this is what Paul said. He said to them, Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Look at verse 27. That they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. He said, listen, fellas, you are searching for the unknown God. I'm here to tell you who that God is. And he's not far from us. If you're going to seek God, you need to seek him while the opportunity remains. The the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. When I'm out witnessing sometimes, and you know, oftentimes you come to a dead end... Someone doesn't want to talk. And I'll often leave them this, like this. I'll say, listen, <clears throat> you need to seek God while you can. And if you seek him, you'll find him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
The opportunity to seek God will not always be there. Seek him and you'll find him. And so considering Jesus, the very first thing about considering this man, Jesus Christ, the God-man, Jesus Christ, the most important, influential, inspiring, worshipped and loved individual in world history who claimed to be God and proved that he is God, the first thing is you need to meet him. And if you want to meet him, you need to seek him. Seek him and you'll find him. And remember, when you seek him, he's seeking for you more. He's seeking for you more. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, meeting Jesus is the greatest thing in your life. The Apostle Paul found that out. His name, actually at the start, was Saul of Tarsus. And he was on the Damascus Road. Actually, he was going, he was working against God. And he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. And Jesus said to him, Saul, why are you, why are you kicking against me? And Saul met him. And, and numerous times after then, Paul recounted his conversion day where he met Jesus Christ. Can you recount the day you met Jesus Christ? Have you got a testimony? I have. It's not spectacular. It's the 14th of December, 1969, a little place called uh, Doylson, just north of Gosford, which is that side of the border. I was a little seven-year-old kid. I wasn't a theologian. I didn't know much about the Bible. I knew some verses, but I knew that I was a sinner and I knew that I needed Jesus Christ in my life. And the old evangelist that day, his name was Norm Harris, he preached and he preached on John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And that day, I don't, I don't even remember saying the sinner's prayer, and I'm not against the sinner's prayer. I just know that day I believed. And I claim that verse, John 1.12, as my own. I said, Lord, I believe this day. It's a little freckle-faced, fatherless, Seven-year-old kid. It's not very spectacular. But that's my salvation story, the day I met Jesus. Now, we're not going to do this this morning, but I guarantee you there's most probably 100 people here if I to say, listen, let's have some popcorn testimony. Stand up and tell us when you met Jesus, when he became your saviour, when you trusted him. You could. But maybe there's someone here this morning and you cannot. You don't know there was a time when you met and trusted Jesus. And by the way, in the case of Zacchaeus, Jesus said, this day salvation has come to this house. He trusted Christ that day. He was saved. You say, no, I haven't got a testimony like that. I don't know the day that I met Jesus Christ. Well, this is, this is a wonderful day for you. Seek him and you'll find him. But meeting Jesus is the first thing. The second thing I wanted to draw your attention to this morning is this. Not just meeting him, but knowing him. Come over to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And verse 13. Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Now when they, 
saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marvelled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now, Peter and John were what? They were fishermen. Now, I'm not saying all fishermen are are, uh, unlearned and ignorant. Um, But uh, Peter and John were known as simple fishermen. They weren't educated to any degree, except in the school of hard knocks, most probably. But they marvelled with them. They marvelled that these fellas were up there preaching. These fellas were on fire. These fellas were, were, were <clears throat> fearless. And they marvelled because they had been with Jesus. Hey, how many people marvel at you? How many people marvel at me? Now, you can marvel at someone's stupidity. You can marvel at someone's exploits. But how many people marvel at us that we've been with Jesus? See, meeting him is the first thing. Knowing him is the second thing. Now, they already knew Jesus. But those around marveled that they'd been with Jesus. You know, when you spend a lot of time with Jesus, when you get to know Jesus, you have the fragrance of Christ-likeness. How, do people, how are people supposed to know that we are Christians? What does the Bible say? How, how, what's, what's the determining uh, factor? Or what's the, how, how does someone know you're a Christian? By your love. By your love. And we can add to that list Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, and so on. Galatians 5. That's how people know that you're a Christian. We have the fragrance of Christ-likeness. Or we should have. And we get that from being with Jesus. Education, skills, intellect, drive, talent, those things are all proper in their place. But nothing can take the place of knowing Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Philippians 3, he said, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He said, I want to know him. I want his power as well, but the first thing, I need to know him. So let me speak to the Christians among us this morning. The majority of us, I assume, we've met Christ, but do we know him? Do we know him? When someone looks at us, when someone looks at you at work tomorrow, do they know that you've been with Jesus? Do they know that you've been with Jesus? It's a pretty convicting thought. Does your life, does my life have a fragrance of Christ-likeness? We need to know him. And lastly this morning, the first thing is to meet him, the second thing is to know him. And this third point, and I'm very brief this morning, I'll be very brief this morning. The third point is this, one day we're going to see him. One day we are going to see him. 1 John 3, 2, let me read it to you. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 
Tell you what, that's going to be Sunday. I hope it's today. I really do. <laughs> I want to see the Lord. I want to see Jesus. But we don't know the time. And when we see him, that's going to be some day. You know, there's an old, uh, <clears throat> an old quartet song. I think I've got it on record somewhere at home. <clears throat> I haven't got a record player, but I've still got my old records from the 60s and 70s. And there's a song that says, I'll shake the hand of the Lord one day. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think we're going to get to heaven and go and say, I'm going to shake the Lord's hand. I don't think that's, that's not how it's going to happen. In fact, the book of Revelation gives us a little glimpse of what's going to happen in heaven. Revelation 4, the four and twenty elders fell down, fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I don't think we're going to go up and shake hands with the Lord. I don't think it's not going to happen that way. That's a Western, what's the word, construct of meeting people. But that's not how it's going to happen. I think we're going to fall at his feet. And we're not going to fall backwards laughing, by the way. We're going to fall on our faces like they show us here in the book of Revelation. And we'll worship him. And I can't even start to imagine what it's going to be like to see him as he is. All I know is that it is going to happen. And we will see him as he is in his glorified body. And that's going to be some time. Now I understand time as we know it <clears throat> is not going to be around. I know that there's, you know, we've got the, the tribulation and the millennium and so on. There is a certain part of time that God has, but eventually time will be not as we know it. So when we say that we'll spend the first million years on our faces before the Lord, it doesn't really mean anything because time won't be, I think you know what I'm trying to say, I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say, but time, time won't be as we know it now. You say, but how, how will we get to individually spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know, but he'll figure that out. Eternity's a long time. And hopefully I'll get the opportunity to ask the Lord Jesus about his time on earth. I mean, we've got the word of God and the word of God is not going to pass away. We know that. I'd love to ask him, what was it like growing up in the carpenter's shop? You know, what, what, what did you like to eat when you were on earth? And were you, were you a long sleeper or a short sleeper? And there's just some questions. I, maybe I won't get to ask him those things. But I'd like to ask him those things. Uh, but one day we'll see him face to face. Diane Wilkinson, the songwriter, wrote the following. Once on a hillside, people were gathered, hoping to see him as thousands were fed. He touched the blind eyes, healed broken spirits. He moved with compassion while he raised up the dead. Once on a hillside, people were gathered, watching as Jesus was crucified. No one showed mercy to the one who had healed them, yet Jesus loved them as he suffered and died. 
Once on a hillside, people were gathered, for Jesus had risen and soon would ascend. Then as he blessed them, he rose to the heavens and gave them his promise to come back again. We shall see Jesus just as they saw him. There is no greater promise than this. When he returns in power and glory, we shall see Jesus just as he is. That's going to be some time. I am listening for the trumpet. I'm listening for the trumpet. I'm not sure what I'm listening for. But it's going to be a trumpet. And it's going to sound. And my guess is that it's going to sound pretty soon, but I don't know. We'll leave that to God. And we'll be caught up and meet the Lord in the air, just up here. That's going to be some time. Johnny Erickson is a famous author and artist. Uh, as a young lady, she, uh, I think she dived into a lake and broke her spine and became a quadriplegic. And uh, it was her wedding day to Ken. And uh, she planned to come down the aisle in her motorised wheelchair. And she was getting ready for, the, for the, the entrance into the church there and she was in the, the lobby, the foyer of the church. And she noticed two distressing problems. Three, actually. She noticed that there was a, a, a grease stain on her, her white dress. And she also noticed that it was torn. Uh, it must have been from the wheelchair or something. And then she looked down and the flower that was in her lap had fallen off. And so she was actually a bit upset at these things, this grease stain and the torn, the torn part of the dress and the flower that had fallen off. But then someone opened the doors to the auditorium and she saw her husband-to-be, Ken. And he was the man that was committing his life to loving her and caring for her for the rest of her days. And this is what she said, Once I saw Ken's face, all I could think of was him. Everything else, the people in the church... The flowers that were sitting a little askew on my lap, the fact that my dress didn't fall right, the grease marks, the rip in my gown, all of it paled in comparison. And the author of the, the little article said, when we see Christ, he will be all that matters to us. Amen. Yep, we go through life, we've got a few grease stains here <clears throat> and some of our lives are a bit torn up. And maybe... <clears throat> Uh, they're not what they used to be. But once we see Jesus, they'll be worth it all. Amen. So what's the application for the, for the message? And I'm finished this morning. What's the application? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You're a little bit rough. Uh, had, had a rough year last year. Most of us did. Most of us did. Maybe our lives were a little bit torn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. We look on him by faith. One day faith will be no more and we'll see him face to face. I'm just asking you this morning to consider Christ. Consider the lovely Saviour. If you haven't met him, if you don't know him as your Saviour, I would beg you, seek him today. If you seek him, you'll find him. Come to the Saviour. He died for you. He shed his blood. He was buried. He rose again. That's the gospel message. 
He paid the penalty for your sin and my sin so that you might be saved, so that you might be accepted before God, so that you might have your sins forgiven, so that you can not just meet him but get to know him. And Christian, if you, Christian, if you are saved, if you know for sure that Jesus is your saviour, do you know him? Do you know him as you should? It's so easy to turn your eyes away from Jesus onto other stuff that's not necessarily bad, but it can be bad, but it's not necessarily bad. We need to get our eyes back on Jesus because it's all about him. Let's have all heads bowed. And would you stand with me, please, with your heads bowed? I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I'd like, and even before we have music, um, <clears throat> before we finish the service, maybe there's one person here this morning and you would say in your heart of hearts, preacher, I do not know Jesus Christ as my saviour. I do not know there was a time when I met him. I don't know that there was that time. But I would like to know. I would like to know that Jesus is my saviour. I would like to know today. Maybe you've been seeking him. Maybe you're like those men on Mars Hill. You've been seeking something or someone you don't need, you haven't, haven't known who that was. That person is Jesus. He's the one you need. He's the saviour that died for you. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, this is the question. If you don't know Christ as saviour but you'd like to meet him today, this is what I'd like you to do. I just want you to put your hand up in the air just for a few moments. I'll see you and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to call you name or anything like that. I'd just like to include you in the prayer that I'm going to pray in just a moment. Is there someone here you'd say, Preacher, that's me. I don't know that I am a Christian. I'm just not sure this morning that I've ever met Jesus. But I would like to know him. And I want to acknowledge my need and respond to the invitation this morning. Is there someone here this morning you'd say, Preacher, that's me. Just put that hand up. Is there one person Is there one person? God bless you, I see your hand. Is there someone else you say, preacher, I don't know. I don't know Jesus this morning. But I would like to meet him today. I'm not asking you to come and join the church. I'm not asking you to be religious. I'm asking you to come to Jesus by faith. Believing the promises of God. Thank you, Lord, for the one who raised the hand. And whatever the need for that person is, may that need be met this morning. And dear Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning, maybe someone watching the, uh, the video somewhere that is outside of Jesus Christ, may they seek him and find him today. And Lord, if there's a Christian here this morning, Lord, if there is a Christian this morning and their eyes are not on Jesus, May they put their eyes back on him. He's a wonderful saviour. And Lord, in these times, Lord, these unusual and for many difficult times, may we keep our eyes on him who died for us. Bless the rest of the service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, you come.